This is First Words with Reverend Matthew Waite. This is the official podcast of First Lutheran Culver City. It's a podcast that helps us to consider what it means to do the work of God's kingdom. One of the great waking nightmares I experience in my life is helping people with technology. And the person with whom I have probably gotten most frustrated, and who has been most frustrated with me, is my mother. She would call and ask for help trying to use her iPhone, which she believed had been assaulted by Shatner's gremlins. I would inevitably get frustrated trying to help her out because I simply couldn't understand how she didn't already know the solution that was so obvious to me. Or I would get frustrated because she couldn't follow the simple, easy directions I was giving to navigate through menus. I simply couldn't understand how she was screwing up navigating a device that was so intuitive. It was designed with user experience in mind. But here's the thing I eventually came to understand. Nothing is intuitive. Not really. To me, intuitive means we don't think about how we use something. It's just a gut-level reaction that works. When you open a door, you just know how to manipulate the doorknob. When you need to use the elevator, you know how to use the buttons. We don't think about how we do these in countless other activities. We do it intuitively, without thinking. But really, those doorknobs and elevator buttons aren't intuitive. Just like the iPhone, no matter what Apple says, things will never be intuitive because there is an intuition. Rather, these things are all built on communal understanding shared and modeled over long periods of time. Just like a child learns how to speak from listening, my kids learned how to open a door and activate an elevator from watching us do it. What we think of as intuition is really a learned behavior that becomes so well learned it now is passive. I point out the fact that nothing is intuitive because it's crucial that we remember this in our own faith. In Deuteronomy 6, the Israelites are given the Shema, it's a creedal statement that reads, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart and soul and with all your might. And then the Israelites are given a myriad of ways they are to remember and teach those words so that they become inscribed on their hearts. The idea is that the Israelites would be so thoroughly steeped in the confession that Yahweh is their God that they wouldn't think for a moment of following another God. Why do they need to focus so heavily on instructing, on ingraining this confession into their minds and hearts? Because there are a lot of temptations to worship other gods and to live in a way that doesn't reflect the expectations of Yahweh. Things haven't changed much. The confession that Jesus is Lord is one that we need to ingrain in our hearts and minds. We need to make our faith intuitive. The ideals that we often see in our culture today encourage us to look for security and meaning and money or status. Rugged individualism is frequently elevated as the highest good. We are often pulled toward greed and selfishness. The moment panic sets in, people begin to hoard supplies that others desperately need. The slavery of Pharaoh and the temptation to go back to his yoke are alive and well. Yet the message of Jesus is a message of grace that pushes us to act and behave differently in the world. We are called to reflect the grace of God day in and day out so that we will live in a way that shows that love to others. Personally, I found the Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, and Ten Commandments, or more properly, Ten Words, to be excellent guides in this. When we thoughtfully reflect on and pray through the Apostles' Creed, we see that we are created in love, redeemed through Christ's sacrifice, and that the Spirit is still at work in our lives. When we pray the Lord's Prayer thoughtfully and reflect on the various petitions, it calls us to consider how we work to bring God's kingdom and will to this earth, and it helps us to be grateful for the ways he has already blessed us. When we ponder the ten words and consider what it means to live as God's people, it helps us to be mindful of the ways we can bring life and hope to our neighbors and avoid doing things that will bring harm. 
To be clear, I'm not saying that we simply speak these words in some rote way, but I'm saying that we need to pray them and discuss them with others and ponder them. We need to take time to reflect on our days and consider the things we did that reflected well a life in Christ. We need to take time and reflect on our day and consider how we could have handled situations differently where we didn't reflect the life of Christ so well. When we are thoughtful and practicing this with intentionality, it will move from being something that we have to think about to more of a gut reaction, some kind of intuitive response. Our reflections on these texts help us to inscribe their words on our hearts, because when we don't think about these things and when we don't take time to practice loving our neighbors, we are less likely to live in a way that is gracious and compassionate. We are less likely to reflect the grace of our God. The other reminder we need on this point is to be patient with others and ourselves as we strive to live out the grace of our God. It's easy to slip back into the behaviors we should be changing. It's hard to make the ways of the kingdom of God our gut response. It's tough to live in a way that reflects God's grace. We will screw this up and so will others. It isn't intuitive. It takes practice and time and we need to forgive ourselves and others as we all strive to live in the rhythms and grace of our God. And on that note, Mom, I'm sorry for the times I was such a jerk when you asked me for help with your phone. That's it for today's episode of First Words. Be sure to click subscribe so that you don't miss this, the official podcast of First Lutheran Culver City.